Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Eternal and gracious God in heaven, I thank you today and every day. Thank you for the great permission that you've given me to just present your word. I pray, O oh God, that I am authentic and that I do it justice. I pray, O oh God, that I don't let you down, Father God, by saying things that are not of you, but I only speak your truth today. O oh God, bless me, if you will, anoint my tongue, anoint my mind, anoint, anoint my attentions to focus solely on the purpose today, and that is to share our calling to be servants. Oh, God, bless me today indeed, in Jesus' name. All those agreed said, amen. If you're taking notes, we're going to jump right into it. Uh, Matthew 20, 28, breaks down why we are called to serve. Plain and simple. If you're taking notes, it says this. This is Jesus saying this. For even the Son of Man came not to be what? Not to be served but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Even the Son of Man, Jesus himself, was not sent here on earth to be served. He came here to serve others. That alone sets the precedent for each and every one of us who claim to be followers of Christ or Christians. That sets it right there. If Jesus himself, the Messiah, the Savior, the King of Kings was called here to serve others, the King of Kings called here to serve others, certainly we have the same mandate over each one of our lives. And so we're going to break that down a little bit on today. What greater model than Jesus to illustrate what it means to truly be a servant? One of my greatest examples of how he served people, we hear often all of the times, you know, I could easily say, oh, man, the way he fed thousands and thousands of people, what great service he did. I could easily use that example, but no, that's not my favorite. I could easily say how he helped the woman out at the well and made her, you know, feel good about her her circumstances or her situation. But I would say, no, that's, that's not my favorite moment. My favorite moment we find in the book of John, chapter 13, the first 17 verses, where Jesus is meeting with his disciples right before they're having the Last Supper. And his disciples are bickering about which one will be closer to him and which one will be, you know, have favor and all of this. And while they're bickering, our great and wonderful Jesus Christ, he goes and he takes his clothes and he puts on a robe and he grabs a basin full of water. And while they're just bickering and talking and amongst themselves, he goes and begins to Wash some feet. The King of Kings, the great Messiah, our Savior, sent here to serve us, 
people who who he's been traveling with for three years, performing great miracles for so many people, he does one of the most lowly things you could do. He does something that was only permitted for the servant. Matter of fact, not just any servant, the servant on the lowest class of servanthood could do. Our great Messiah, the King of Kings, gets down on his knees, grabs the dirty, funky feet. Now, let me tell you about these feet. Y'all do know they did not have Pumas or Adidas or Adidas for those who are not from up north or Jordans or red bottom shoes. They had raggedy sandals. They didn't have several pair. They had one pair. And they walked a lot performing these great miracles with Jesus. It wasn't paved roads. wasn't even grassy knolls in many cases. It was dirt and dung. Dung is poo-poo for those who don't know. And I guaranteed... One or two, perhaps a few, walk through some poo-poo. And here it is, the king of kings, Lord of lords, our Savior, the Messiah, takes it upon himself to illustrate what true servanthood is by washing their nasty, stinky funky feet he puts himself in a position lower to illustrate to them how they too should serve others i often consider myself not a pastor of this church but a servant leader i take great pride in getting here early and helping set up it's not because no for the record i've been doing this for uh Four years straight now. I've been tearing up, breaking down. Yes, four years straight. The church prior to this, I was there. I was the first in there to get there and then the last to leave. After I would perform a gig the night before. And I loved it. I took great pride in it. Because it didn't matter. I wasn't setting up for the people who were sitting in the seats. I wasn't getting there early to set up for people that were already part of the church. I was setting up for that person who may have for the first time decided today I'm going to give church a try again. I was getting up early with that person in mind. I did not know what they looked like, smelled like, if there was male or female. I just knew that somebody new was going to come through these church doors today. And I want to make sure that their first experience or visit to our church was, was, was well received by them. To great pride in setting up those chairs in the morning and helping prepare the breakfast and setting up the music and all that stuff. And I still take that same pride today here at Mosaic Church. I get here to be just like Jesus, to be an illustration or a model of how we should serve one another. I don't do it because we don't have enough people. I don't do it because, no, I do it because I take great pride in it. I love it. It's something that makes me feel really good on the inside. Because setting up these chairs is not for you beautiful, wonderful leaders and people that are here today. It's for those people who are deciding today that I'm going to give church a try again. I know I've been hurt by church. I know that I don't believe this about church, but today I'm going to give it a try. And I pray that the chair that I put down, they sit in and experience God like never before. 
one of the greatest compliments we get at this church is that everybody felt really welcomed. Nobody has left the church saying, nobody spoke to me. They ignored me. Y'all know how to love on people. So amen to that. That is my favorite illustration of Jesus showing us how to be servants. My greatest one. He says, that, uh, Paul, Peter says this, then we're going to start taking some notes here. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to what? Come on, talk to me now. Do, use them well to do what? Serve one another. Use your gifts well to serve one another. It didn't say use your gifts well to make the CEO of the company you work for richer. I, 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 it didn't say that. I'm just reading scripture. It didn't say use the gifts that God has given you from the variety of stuff that he has uh, to, to go ahead and, and, like, make yourself more successful. It, it didn't say that. It didn't. I'm not making this up. It's not First Broderick. It's First Peter. It's in the Bible. It's in Scripture. It says use the gifts that God has given you to what? Serve others. Serve others. Serve others. Can I talk? Let me share a little bit about what this word serve means. The New Testament word, which is in Greek, for the word serve is diakoneo, diakoneo, diakoneo. This word diakoneo in the Greek is used almost 40 times in the Bible to illustrate service, diakoneo. And that word literally means ministry. Diakoneo means ministry. Every time it's used in the Bible to describe or to illustrate service, it means ministry. We are all called to ministry, diakoneo. When he talk about Jesus and what he did for his disciples by washing their funky feet, we're talking about diakoneo. When we talk about Jesus feeding thousands of people, we're talking about diakoneo. When we talk about the first church established according to the book of Acts and how they sold their possessions and gave one to another, we're talking about diakoneo. When we talk about the parable where Jesus is saying, when I was hungry, you, did, you fed me. Uh, when I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. We're talking about diakoneo. We're talking about ministry. Diakoneo. Ministry. Let me give you the full definition real fast. And you have it in your notes so you can share it. And your friends will think you're very smart, like you're a biblical scholar because you can speak Greek. By the time the end of the year comes, you may have a small Greek and Hebrew dictionary if I keep sharing these words with you, right? So you just walk up to people and be like, hey, let me diakoneo you today. How can I diakoneo you today, William? No, I'm not going to wash your feet. I'm not. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> Diaconeo, here's a definition. To minister, to relieve one's necessities, to take care of, to attend to anything that may serve another's interests, to minister a thing to one, to serve one or by supplying anything. This word, diaconeo, simply means 
to minister. It's ministry. I would like to give my own suggested definition of ministry, if I will. And this may not be in your notes, so you may want to write it, write it down. This is my own suggested definition of ministry, my own suggested definition of ministry. I know I'm not Webster, nor am I the American heritage, but I am an American, and I do have some heritage. So we're going to use my definition today. Amen? Here it is. Ministry is using whatever God has given you to serve him and the needs of others. Ministry. My own suggested definition is using whatever God has given you, whatever talents and gifts he's given you to serve him, notice he's first, and others. It's not using my gifts to serve me, my family, my friends, my boss. Of course, you have to, you know, we live in America, you got to have a job, got to have a J-O-B. If you want to make it in this country, right? I get that. But if you can use your talents and gifts to make your boss richer, you can certainly use your talents and gifts to get richer in the kingdom of God. Amen? That's the truth. That's the truth. Using your talents and gifts to serve him and others. May I give you six reasons why you should serve Let me give you six reasons why you should serve. The very first one I want to offer is that we were created to serve. We were created to serve. Again, this is not from the book of Broderick, but it's certainly from the book of Ephesians, where it says, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. He created us so that we could do the good things he planned for us long ago. In other words, when you were before you were even a thought in your mama and your daddy's mind, God had already planned something for you to do that was good, that would honor him and your neighbor. He already had a plan for you long before you were a thought in mama, daddy's mind. He already had a plan. And that is for you to do good. Now, let's not confuse that. Doing good does not mean doing good for you. It's doing good for him first and the people that he loves. Now, you may be asking, well, well, who are the people he loves? Is it just believers, Pastor B? It's not just believers. It's not just believers. He loves those who are not believers. It's everybody No condemnation. Nobody's restricted from this love from Christ. They're deserving of it just like you because at one point you were just like them. Why serve? Because we were created to. God created us to serve. He had a plan for us, and the only way we can fulfill that plan is to serve. The second one, we were saved for it. We were created to serve, to serve, and we were saved to serve. We were saved to serve. 
The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy, and this is Paul writing to one of his mentees uh, in, the, in, 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 in the word. He's sharing with him. He says, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. Why did he do this? He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through who? Christ Jesus. He saved us not because we deserved it. None of us deserve it. None of us deserve it. I don't care how much we do, how much we read our Bible. How much we, we don't deserve it because, you know why we don't deserve it? Because after we do all of those good deeds, all of us will commit a sin. It's hard not to in this world. We live in a sinful world, a dark world. Our job is to be a light. And let's be honest, sometimes our light gets a little bit dim. At the end of the day, as long as we're on this side of heaven, we are going to fall short of God's glory every now and again. But praise God that he gives us what we don't even deserve. He gives us his grace and mercy. He gives us these things. We are saved so that we can serve others. The third reason I want to offer to you is we have been gifted for it. We have been gifted to serve. We have been gifted to serve. I don't have to keep going on and on and keep pressing this issue that what God has given you in terms of gifts is not just for you. It's common sense. I, I don't have to keep repeating that. I just hope that today it, it really rests on your head that you were gifted for something bigger and better than what you think you're doing right now. The fourth thing I want to offer is we are equipped for it. We are equipped to serve. God has equipped us. He wouldn't give us equipment. It's like this. It wouldn't be, it's like me giving uh, 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 Starvos a hatchet and just saying, here, man, just take this hatchet. And so I was like, what does this hatchet for? It's to work, man. Chop some wood or something. <laughs> you know, earn a living, whatever. Here's a hatchet. I'm, I'm equipping him to do something. Whatever I've given him to equip him is for a purpose. It's not just for no reason. Use it. Whatever I give you, somebody gives you a Bible, somebody gives you some, it's, you're, we are equipped. According to Scripture here, it says um, in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, it says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. God has equipped us to serve, and the only way we can build up this church is to equip others. And what do we equip them with? The word of God. But before we even equip them with that, we equip them with L-O-V-E, love. Love, for the record, and we'll get into this later, love is an action word. I can say I love you all day, but if I don't do a doggone thing about it, if you don't see my words and actions, it means flip-flop. Y'all can fill in the blanks on the flip-flop. It means nothing. It means nothing. How, some, how many of y'all been in a relationship and somebody said, I love you, but you ain't seen it? Like, yeah, I love you. Really? What have you done for me lately? Huh? A little Eddie Murphy for you. <laughs> Really, you love me? But what have you done to show me and prove to me you love me? Nothing. Love is an action word. So when we equip 
people, we're equipping, equipping them here in the body of, the, of, of, of God in the church with love. Fifth thing, we are authorized to do it. We are authorized to serve. We are authorized to serve. Matthew 28, 18 through 19, Jesus is speaking with his disciples. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven on earth. Therefore, this is where we've been authorized. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is where Jesus authorized us to go, to go and do. It's like, yeah, but he says make disciples. What does it mean to make a disciple? Which is going to be something we talk about in the next week or so. What does it mean to make a disciple? Let them see what you do. Let them see how you serve them. Let, them, let you be the model of how you should serve. Go and make disciples. Go and show people through your act of kindness, through your, through your service, what it means to love. And then let that fall upon them so that they can also be disciples. For the record, disciples make disciples. Disciples make disciples. If you think you're a disciple here, then you need to be discipling somebody. Oh, I'm going too far. This is for next week, y'all. I'm saving that. That's going to be really good. It's going to be really good. Of course, everything I do is really good, right? Amen? All right. Liars. (laughs) Amen, amen. Six. This is the most important one. Why should we serve? Because at the end of the day, we will be held accountable. We will be held accountable. If you don't take note of the other five, you sure as heck better take note of this final one. If you don't really believe in the other five, you better certainly iron this on your forehead, sketch it in your heart. You will be held accountable. 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 says this, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Let me share this with you real quick. Let me share this with you real quick. I want to clarify this. Though we will stand before the grace of God one day to hold an account, I just want to say this. Salvation will never be stripped from you. Once it's given to you, it's yours permanently. However, your riches in heaven may be a little bit less based upon what you did here on earth. You may still get to glory, but you may not get as much as your neighbor (laughs) because of what you did, or watch this, didn't do here on earth, because of who you ignored that needed some help, because of who you didn't serve or who you did serve. You will have to give an account, and he's going to have that list, and he's going to, okay, uh-huh, yep, remember that time? You know, you're going to be sitting there with your list like, Everything you did, right? And, and you're going to run your list. You're like, okay, cool, good, good. But, but remember that time at the gas station, that, that, that brother, you saw his lips were white. He was thirsty. Pat, you know, everybody else ignored him. He looked a little bit mean, but because he looked mean, you didn't take care of him? Yeah, yeah, check. You're like, oh, but, but, but. No, no buts. Or remember that time you let that one person in? You know, cut you in, cut in front of the line in front of you, but the other person, you know, because they didn't have a I love Jesus thing or they had a, a, a swastika or something on their car, you've decided you weren't going to let them in. Yeah, yeah, I love them. I don't agree with them, but I love them. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, because of that, 
you are held accountable. See, what God's eyes see is totally different than ours. God doesn't see hate. We see hate. We see pain. We see darkness. God doesn't see all of that. We serve a positive and, 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 and grateful God. He doesn't see all of that. What we see, he don't see. And so when we ignore certain things that in our own eyes offend us, God is like, why? I'm not offended by what they do. You could be the catalyst of change for that person, but you just blew it. Check. We will all have to give an account of our deeds on earth. If you don't listen to the other five I presented, let this one be the moneymaker for you right now. Change it today. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their what? According to their deeds. What are deeds? It's labor you've performed here on earth. It's random acts of kindness or lack thereof, your deeds. He will judge you according to your deeds. And here's on the flip side. If, if you do certain deeds for a great photo op, yeah, check. If you do certain great deeds so you can brag, guess what I did today? I fed some kids in the projects. Check. You're doing it for your own glorification, not to honor God. You will be held accountable. Three key areas of service that I want to share with you that should be on the priority list of every single one of us who calls ourselves Christians. Three key areas of service. The first one is each of us should have a goal and aim to serve first our local church. Each and every one of us should serve our local church. Now, I want to say this, and I just had this conversation with somebody last night, and I have evidence that, that what I'm saying is not lip service. There is no such thing as a growing Christian outside of a loving church community. There is no such thing as a growing Christian outside of a loving church community. Well, well, I, I attend a Bible study every week pastor and 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 I read my bible every day pastor and 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 I memorize a whole bunch of scriptures pastor and I serve at the local food pantry pastor cool but where's your accountability at where's your accountability who's holding you up who are you praying with the bible says where two or three are joined he is there he doesn't say where one person is there he still answers a single prayer but where two or three are joined we are to be accountable one to another. And there's no such thing as a growing Christian outside of a loving church community. You can read all the scripture you want, and I'll just say that will make you a great biblical scholar. You can pray as many prayers as you'd like, and I'd say you are a wise person. But if you are not a part of a loving church community, I would question you, and I would urge you to find a church that will love you, support you, and hold you accountable. Now, accountability does not mean reporting to someone like, oh, I've sinned. Accountability doesn't mean that. Accountability is, listen, 
I'm down on my knees. I'm broken. I need a hand up. I've been praying and I've been praying. I need somebody to touch and agree with me. Man, I'm up for a promotion right now. Can you touch and agree with me? My marriage is broken. Can you touch and agree with me? I'm struggling and wavering in my faith a little bit. Can you touch and agree with me? Who am I reaching out to for that? If you're not in a loving church community, it's very difficult. Because you just got random people who are probably just as random and messed up and disconnected as you are. The first place you should serve is your local church. Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. I'll go right back to this again. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the what? Church. Not to the individual, not to, not to your small group, not to your little Bible study. No, he gave it to the church. Okay? And we'll define church later on because I know people, that's the question, and we're going to define that. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the individual. Y'all sleeping because it doesn't say that. Not the individual, but the what? What's that word? To build up the church and the body of Christ. To build up the church, the body of Christ. To build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, for those who in English, that runs together. The church represents the body of Christ. And if you are not a part of a loving church community, if you are not serving in a church community, you cannot honor what Scripture is telling us here. Clearly. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. All those gifts you have, if you are out just in your small group and hanging out, you are disconnected. If you've ever attended Mosaic 101, one of the things we say here that's so important is, is and if you've never attended, you need to get in it tomorrow. I mean, next month, because we offer very, the first Sunday of each month. If you've not done it, jump in. We say this, this is the most, it's the last thing in, the, in, in our study program there in Mosaic 101, which is our new members class. It says this, at Mosaic Church... Every member is a minister. Every member is a minister. Every task is important. Every task is important, whether it's putting the little notes on the chairs or setting up the music system or, or praise and worship or, or, or setting up the tables and pouring coffee. Every task is important. Finally, this is the most important thing that you can, you can get from this. Every member here is a 10 in some area. You are a dime in some area. Something in your life, you are perfect. Nobody does it better than you. As a matter of fact, when God blessed you with that gift, he said, I'm not giving that out anymore because you do it that doggone good. Every member here is a 10 in some area. And if you're sitting in this room today and you are not utilizing your tin in some area to build this church, not Mosaic Church, but the body of Christ, then we need to reevaluate where you fit in. Amen? I know I'm not going to get a lot of amens on that. That's always uncomfortable. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 5 and 27 says this, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of all of them. There are different kinds of service or ministry, but we serve the same Lord. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Got some good news. 
Because I know some people sitting there like, I don't know where I should serve. I don't, know what my, I, don't, I don't know what my gift is. We have a program for you. In our growth track, there are four steps. The first step is one-on-one, and that's Mosaic Church history. And that's where you have the opportunity to become a member of Mosaic. 201 tells you the essentials, the essential requirements of being a Christian, the essential things that God calls all of us. Guess what? Guess what happens in 301? 301 is spiritual gifts assessment. In other words, we will sit with you, you fill out this form, we will actually do a spiritual gifts assessment to determine what gifts God has given you and help direct you into the ministry that God has called you to serve in. This assessment normally costs hundreds of dollars. It's free, 99 for you today. At Mosaic Church, going once, going twice, I'm just playing. It's absolutely free here. It's that important for us to know what makes you click. What is that one thing that God calls you to do that you can't wait to do? You wake up in the morning and you're just like on fire, like, I can't wait to do this thing. We help you discover that. We also help discover your personality traits. We do what you call a DISC uh, 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 assessment. And it, it kind of breaks down what your personality traits, if you're introvert versus extrovert, uh, uh, you know, we do all of that for free 99 Absolutely free in 301. You just got to make it to 301. Now, when is 301 going to be offered? Beginning in September, we'll offer every week after each service. The first Sunday of the month will be Mosaic 101. I'll be doing that one. The second Sunday of the month will be 201. Moving forward, it will be Dion. 301, I have someone in mind. I have to talk to him uh, today about doing 301. So, and he looked up at me, too, because he knew I was talking about <laughs> But, you know, 301 will happen the third Sunday, and then the 401 will happen on the fourth Sunday of the month. What is 401? That's when you become a part of the dream team. I believe that every person in this church needs to be serving. If you're here as a spectator, this is the wrong place. Because God has equipped us with gifts that we have to use to honor him first, not you. Each and every one of us. Now, th- now I know everybody think they can sing because we got a lot of shower singers in here. I'm not going to say no names. I just give some initials. Tia Menace. But um, <laughs> don't sign up for that because, you know, just because it sounds good to you in your shower doesn't mean it sounds good to everybody else. Jesus did say, make a joyful noise. Well, I don't think it was Jesus, but the Bible says, make a joyful noise. And if you're the only one enjoying it, that's a problem. All right, I'm going to digress. <laughs> Please, sign up somewhere today. Use your gift to honor God. Second place, that's very important that you should be serving. You should be serving in your local community. You should be serving in your local community. You should be serving in your local community community. Scripture uh, says this about that. John 13, 34 through 35. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will do what? Prove to the world that you are my disciples. What did I say about that word love? It's an action word. How I treat my neighbor, if my neighbor has a need, 
Am I a first responder or a curious onlooker? Am I one to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. Things are going to get better. Or am I going to go and try to figure out how I can resolve it right now? I shared with you all the other day a friend of mine that I knew who was having some financial struggles. All I heard was a need. The first place I looked was my own bank account. Second place I looked was our church bank account. Because I want to be a first responder to that person's need. I know their heart for Christ. I know what they've done to honor the body of God. I'm like, I want to be a first responder in that person's life. And if it don't get done, I'm, I'm, I'm panicking. Like, if it doesn't get, if I don't do it, some, it's not going to get done. And we should all have that burden for the people in our community. That's why the beginning of this school year, we gave so many backpacks away. We gave all that we could, plus some, actually, to be honest with you. Because I want to make sure that we give these children a good head start for the new school year. Before we even had our first service in this school, we started a summer lunch program. I knew they were having a camp here. And my first question was, well, what are they going to eat? Why are you sending them home so early? We don't have lunch. It was the last hour, one month before the camp started. Every deadline, every opportunity to receive free lunch had passed. I did what I know how to do best. I prayed. I says, God, send people, send me the direction to where I can go. You wouldn't put this burden on me and not provide the resources. I prayed. And next thing you know, I called a nonprofit. And that nonprofit said, well, we can't cover that many kids, but we can cover half of them. Call this other nonprofit. I called that other nonprofit. That, pro- that nonprofit said, well, call the other one and tell them we'll take care of the whole thing. These kids had lunch before we had a service. Before we had a service in this building, and they had it again last year, and they'll have it again next year. Then the holidays come, and I reach to the counselor. I says, counselor of the school, who's hungry, and how can we feed them? We don't have a whole lot of money. As a matter of fact, we just one, uh, one uh, offering away from not having service. But we're going to trust God if he's putting his burden on me. They give us the name of 25 families. And Christmas, not only did we get the kids, we didn't give them just random toys. We gave them a toy from their wish list. We fed them a really nice meal where they sat down and it was catered. And we, we served them. We put on our aprons and walked out. How can I help you? Can I give you some more? Would you need some more juice? We serve the community. Doggone it. We are trying to be the model that Jesus set. Serve your local community. I guarantee today somebody in your community needs something. And if you don't know, check the yellow pages. Check social media. There are so many avenues to find out what the need is. Right now in this community, do you know what the biggest need is right now for the past two years? And I'm like, I'm so desperate to meet that need now. You know what that biggest need is? Meals on Wheels. We've forgotten about our older people who can't get out on a fixed income, can't get anything to eat. And I'm saying to myself, I don't have enough time. I just don't have, it's not enough hours in the schedule. God, what do you want me to do? Why are you showing me this stuff? You know I don't got that much time. And he said, I'm not telling you to do it. Just share it with the people. I just want you to know because you got a big mouth and you like to talk a lot. And you just might open it up to the right person and they'll do it. 
It's the biggest need in this city right here where we're having service right now. Right now, an elderly person is dying for somebody to come and bring them some food. But you know what the greatest thing about it is? You know what the biggest thing that they want more than food? Companionship. Just somebody to come by and say, hey, uh, how you doing? How's everything? Can I cut your grass? Can I, can I get you something else? Can I do this for you? Can I do that? Some of these people have been sitting in the same diaper for days if they can't afford in-home care because nobody's there to take care of them. Quick story, then I want to move to the final point. I was at the post office the other day and uh, opening up a new P.O. box. We can have a new address here. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm giving them my information. You have to give, like, uh, your, your personal information and all that stuff to the lady at the counter, the customer service rep. And I says, hey, you know, um, she, no, she asked me, she says, do you have your corporate documentation? Is this a personal P.O. box? I says, no, this is for our church. And she's like, oh, are you the pastor? I says, yes, I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the pastor. I says, but, you know, what do you need? She says, a letterhead. I said, well, I got a business card. That's stationary too, so why not take that? What's the difference between letterhead and business card? It's stationary. And so she's like, you know, we went back and forth, you know, laughing and giggling and stuff. The little old lady right next to me, once the customer service rep went to the back to finish my paperwork, little old lady's right here next to me. And she says, young man, can you pray for me, pray for my husband? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you did say you were a preacher. I don't know why they don't like to use the word pastor. They always, you know, they call you preacher. They say, you did say you were a preacher. I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She says, my husband just had brain surgery a few months back, and he was in, 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 you know, in recovery. And he all of a sudden had this fever, and they moved him to uh, I, uh, ICU. And we don't know if he's going to make it. Can you pray for me? I said, yes, ma'am. You want to do this right now? I don't mind. Let's, let's do it right now. She says, no, sir. No, sir. I don't want to distract people from, from their business and what they're supposed to be doing. She says, but uh, can you just pray for me? I said, yes, ma'am. I, I will certainly pray for you. I says, is there a way I can follow up with you uh, uh, to see how things are going? And she says, well, uh, I don't want to give out my number. I says, yes, ma'am. I understand. I says, I'll tell you what. What hospital is your husband in? And what's his name? And she gave me his name. His name is Mr. Clarence Gibson. He was at Piedmont Hospital. I went to Piedmont Hospital, and I asked to see Mr. Clarence Gibson in ICU. And I went in there, and I prayed for him. He was asleep. Well, out. I don't know. He was out. He wasn't awake. He wasn't cognizant for sure. But I was there. They pointed me to his room. I said, and I, you know, I had to lie and say I'm his pastor, but I'm not his pastor. That's the only way they're going to let me in. I'm a stranger. He's, I mean, he's an older white guy. I'm a black guy. What do you want with this man? Yeah? What you want? I says, no, I'm his pastor. So I went to his room, and I prayed for him. I don't know what the outcome is. I haven't followed up. I don't know. This just happened just on Friday. I don't know. But all I do know is they're residents of Mableton. I'm a resident of Mableton. I pastor a church in Mableton. That makes Mableton my local community. Since he's an extension of the local community, I'll go where he is to pray for him. Serve your local community. That's a true story. This happens all the time. It's crazy. When you're serving God, God will put people in your path and respect you, expect you to respond to them right away. Serve your local community. I want to share this quote with you. I love this quote because it it really draws home what I'm trying to say. It's from Mother Teresa. I won't read the whole thing. I'll just read some of it. 
Mother Teresa says this. She says, prayer in action is love. Prayer is prayer in action is love. And then she says this, love in action is service. Prayer in action is love. In other words, I pray for him. Like I prayed for him, that's love. But love in action is service. It's service. Then she says this. She says, try to give unconditionally whatever a person needs in the moment. Not later, not when it's convenient for you. In the moment, when it counts, doggone it. Try to do something unconditionally, whatever the person needs in the moment. Then she says, simply, the point is to do something, however small, and show you care through your actions by giving your time. How do we demonstrate love? Simple. By helping when it's inconvenient, by giving when it hurts, by devoting energy to others' welfare instead of our own. To others' welfare instead of our own. That's how we demonstrate love. That's how we demonstrate the action. I want to share something with you. We need to do what a great pastor by the name of Dino Rizzo did. He started a movement back in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, at a church called Healing Place Church. They launched, and it was just he and his wife, Dylan. And what they did was start a revolution. No, it wasn't like the same kind of revolution that was filled with violence and tyranny and just trying to take over. No, it was a revolution full of love and compassion. They called this revolution Servolution. It was where the church was taking over in the community by finding the needs of the people in the local community and being first responders to their need. They started what we call a servolution. And we need to do the same thing, address the needs of our local community and be the first responders to those needs. Our men's small group, the third Tuesday of every month, meets right here in this school back there. Do y'all know there's a food pantry here that feeds 25 families in this community? Matter of fact, this particular food pantry is the largest one in this particular area. And we are there. We literally drive to the houses of the people delivering the food for them. Serving our local community, a servolution. Oh, my goodness, if we did that, it would change everything around. What is a servolution? It's a complete radical change of a person's life caused by simple acts of kindness for the glory of God. It's a church revolution through serving, a revolution not fueled by anger, violence, or revolt, but one of compassion, love, and service. We need to launch a servolution at Mosaic Church. Who's down? All right. I love it. I love it. I'm going to hold you all accountable. Final thing, and we're done here. We need to serve internationally. We need to serve internationally. There's a lot of scripture that would support that. But I just want to share a personal story. Every, many religions, I should say, not every, but many religions, they have this pilgrimage. There's this final point that each one has to do. We'll just talk about Islam. If you're Muslim, the, 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 the pilgrimage that every Muslim is required to do, if they can, if they can, is to make their pilgrimage to Mecca, their holy land. You're required to do that. And I think that it should be a mandate 
for every person who identifies themselves as Christians to go on an international missions trip somewhere else. Why? Why? Why do you say that, Roderick? Why? Why would you say that? Because if you're poor in America or what they call below or at the poverty line in America, you are richer than three-fourths of the entire world. If you have a car or access to public transportation, you are richer than three-fourths of the entire world. If you have a change of clothes, just one pair, one change of clothes, you are richer than three-fourths of the entire world. And the thing is, in America, we have access to all of that. We have access to free education. Public school, we have access. It's free. They can't deny you for no reason. You could be, no matter how rich or poor you are, you get the opportunity to go to public school if you can prove your citizenship. And even if you can in some cases, let's be honest. But let's imagine going to Haiti. Here's my story. A young man, oh, I was in Haiti. I've gone three times. There was a man by the name of Joseph. He was our security guard in Haiti. And uh, my former pastor and I were there, and, and he really liked, he took a liking to us. And we really liked Joseph. He took great care of us. He took us to soccer games and, you know, just took great care of us. But we loved him. He invited us to his house. We went to his house, which was a little, I mean, it was so small and tiny and run down, I couldn't even call it a shack. Surprised someone lived there, but that was his house. They took great pride in it, great pride in it. They only had a a few chairs, one or two mattresses, but that was his house. And they cooked a great meal for us. And we talked to him. And, we, and me and my former pastor were talking to him. And, you know, we're like, man, why do you work? You know, tell me about your jobs. And he's working like four or five jobs. And why do you work so hard? But look at what you're living in. I mean, what, what, what are you doing with your money? You know why he worked so hard? To pay for one. Yeah, two kids. To pay for just one to go to school. No, he wasn't sending them to private school. It's just school. In other words, you have to pay for education in other places. We don't know that here because it's offered to us for free. I can go to school. My kids can go to school, whether it's the best school or not the best school. Hell, they get access. Yes, yeah, I said hell. Yes, they get access to education. Free. Nothing. Sign your name. Get your health check at the local clinic. You're good. You're golden. And you get to sit in the class and learn. This man working five jobs to just send one kid. He couldn't send both. It was too expensive to just school, not private school, just school, school, period. And here we are complaining about this school is better than that school, and they're getting a new school, and we're not getting a new school, and the AC ain't working in the school, and this and that. And then the kid, the school that he pays for, watch this, the school that he pays for has a dirt floor and no walls, just a ceiling. Yeah, I said no walls, just a a roof and a dirt floor. These kids love it. They get on their little uniforms, and they're happy to go to school. It says that my daddy or my mom is working hard enough so I can get education. It changes their status. And here we are. We have free education and complain. And then some of our youth have the audacity to say, I quit. I want to strangle each and every one of them. 
every what do you mean you quit come on with me to haiti let me show you something these kids wish they had free access to education how dare how dare you throw away a bottle of water in this church i promise you if i find the next person throw away a bottle of water i'm gonna wring your neck y'all be wasting bottles of water and these people over there don't even have access to clear and clean water They're drinking, bathing, washing their clothes in the same creek that the doggone college just went poo-poo in. And we're throwing away bottles of water. Pisses me off. Yes, I said piss off too. For our visitors, my name is Pastor Broderick and I do cuss. I'm a work in progress. But it really bothers me the amount of waste that happens here. You go to an impoverished place. This is why every Christian should have to go to a place, a third world country, so they can see what real poverty is like and just see how doggone blessed they are. How many of y'all turn the shower on in the morning and just walk around while it gets warm? Now, don't raise your hand because I will judge you. Huh? How many of y'all spent 30 minutes this morning trying to decide what the heck you're going to wear today? Don't raise your hand. I will judge you. I'll have to judge myself. But when I went to Haiti and came back, you know how I showered? I turned the water on, got wet, turned it off, lathered, turned it on to rinse, turned it back off. I was afraid of wasting water because it was so important in Haiti. That's how we showered there. If we could shower, because if the generator wasn't working, you're not going to shower. Hate seeing lights on. Turn that light off. Why you got a light on in every house and you ain't in every room? Two people in the house. Come on now. Anyway, this is why every single Christian should take a mission trip so you can see just how well you are blessed here in these United States of America. No, we're not a perfect country. But doggone it, the fact that you call yourself an American citizen and there are people busting at the door saying, can I get in? Can I get some? Y'all got so much freedom and y'all complaining? You idiots. That's what they're saying about us. We complain all the doggone time. My car ain't big enough. My house ain't big enough. It ain't cold enough. The AC ain't working. It's too doggone hot. Shut up. And go over there and see how other people are living. And then come talk to me. Let us pray. Because I'm about to get mad. (laughs) Eternal and gracious God in heaven. We thank you today. God, we thank you for all that you've done and all that you are. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.